Magnavox presents Odyssey, the electronic game of the future. Odyssey easily attaches to any brand TV, black and white or color, to create a closed-circuit electronic playground. Odyssey gives you all the exciting action of hockey and 11 other challenging play and learning games for the entire family. A new dimension for your television, now at your Magnavox dealer. He's listed in the yellow pages. And here we go. Gentlemen, we are tonight's entertainment. I told you already, I'm gonna kill you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. That's not how the force works. Very small man can cast a very large shadow. This <laughs> does put a smile on my face. Once more, the Sith will rule the galaxy. Impressive. Most impressive. You are on the Sith list. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 114 of The Sith List. I'm your host, Araj Dolachai, and my co-pilots for this evening's post-Comic-Con Apocalypto episode, the young, the restless, the bearded one, Carlos, the man that survived his cross-country escapades to New York City. He was in the New York groove, as Ace Freely once said. Mr. Les is on the ground safely. Gonzalez, the man we call El Hombre, the man who last week had a new song that we played. This week he has his old song. Eric is yeah, sick of your crap, Arash Struthers. I don't know what I did, but I'm going to find out. I think. <laughs> How's everybody doing this evening? This fine evening. Good, 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 good. Yeah, Struthers, you doing okay, dude? I'm phenomenal, man. I am super great and awesome. Uh, you can't get any better than that, right? <laughs> Super green and awesome. No, I've I've tried, and it's just it, you can't can't be done. <laughs> it just can't can't be done. I just can't. How, Les, how you feeling after that crazy New York experience? Uh, I'm good. I haven't I haven't really experienced any jet lag, so yeah, I'm doing a okay. Because uh, you gained three hours, I think maybe that's why. Works for me. Yeah, really. Boo, how about you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing good. Is everybody ready to? Talk a little Star Wars, Resistance, Absolutely, Mandalorian. Man. We're going to talk Venom. We've got all kinds of stuff to talk about. Yeah. And, of course, New York City. And this is what we're going to do, guys. We're not going to get into this crazy, this is what we did, that's what we did in New York City. Um, we recorded two mini pods, and we're going to attach one to this week, and we're going to attach one to next week. So we're going to go about an hour, and then our mini pods are about 28 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, each. So this episode hopefully will be about an hour and 25, hour and 30 minutes. So if you want to find out our crazy escapades and our adventures in New York City at the New York City Comic Con, make sure you just keep listening and it will be at the end of this podcast. But I will say we had an absolute blast and we met all of our East Coast family, our podcast family, 
and our listeners and our friends. It was just a fantastic time. We got to interview one icon in, in graphic novel and comic book writing, Jim Kruger. And then we got to interview the co-founder of the Impact Theory, who is putting out this Stevie Yoki Neon Future. His name is Tom Billium. And you're going to hear that actually during this podcast. That is that part. We missed both of you guys, Boo and Eric. Yeah. And sorry we didn't call you. We, it was it honestly felt like we were either recording or interviewing somebody or out walking the floor constantly. It was kind of like... Yeah, you guys are, you guys are getting business done. Go yeah, for it. Yeah, we met, some, met a bunch of new people. We uh, did a little schmoozing. Spread the good word. Yeah. And we had Mr. Mike Pappas pretty much <laughs> as our New York correspondent. So, How much did that cost? Uh, it cost a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it wait, probably wait, cost wait years out of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to come. Yeah, it's gonna be one of those like someone's gonna show up at a the debt collector's gonna car like, thumb knock, come knock. Favors yeah, are done exactly. for you. It's <laughs> time for you to return the favor. <laughs> We're gonna be like, all right, all right, Arash, let's do this. You can't ask questions. Yeah, <laughs> we had a fantastic time, and uh, you'll get to hear it. I mean, we have a digital recorder, so we're on the floor of the uh, convention interviewing people and people that you've met, people that have been on this podcast before, Emily Lynn, Rebecca Hanlon, uh, Rashad Cussum, Fernando Alba, Johnny Grasso, Mike Pappas, Dominic Jones, uh, the list goes on, Mike Coldone, Robbo, the Adam Stafford. So the list is pretty long. I hope you enjoy it. Let us know what you think. Key question. Yeah. Uh, so for the the mini pod that you have recorded, yeah. is there any information about Les's flying experience on that? I can give you mine now if you want it. I would, I would, lo- well, I would love yours, your your experience, and then Araj's point of view. Okay, yeah, yeah. You go ahead, Les. I don't think that is on the podcast. Well, on the way there, I did not sleep. I bet not. I bet not. Araj sat. First of all, we lucked out. There oh, was, we lucked out so hard. We lucked out big time. Full flight, but apparently, whoever was in between us did not appear. Did not show up. So sorry to you and thank you at the same time. That's the best, right? So we had some arm and shoulder room, which was good. Uh, taking off was kind of scary. Oh yeah, in the air was kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, he white knuckled. <laughs> he, he white knuckled on our way up. I had some composure though. I mean, he did. He did. He didn't cry or anything. But uh, he did just, hold my hand and squeeze it really hard. Just on the inside, he cried. And then yeah. Raj tried. I think he tried to fake that he was comfortable and sleeping. But every time I started to nod off, the plane started shaking. <laughs> so I stayed bolt upright. <laughs> no, I was a goner, dude. He was asleep. I was yeah, asleep. Yeah. I mean, I Boo, Boo knows that when I get on a plane, motherfucker, I, I can sleep on the tarmac. Motherfucker. And, and wake up five hours later. It, it, he I sits was, in the chair and he knocks out and annoys yeah, the shit out of me. about a, a <laughs> chair that's in the, you know, the, in the flight that were, I'm just out. No, I don't mother, know what it is. So, I have we... to have a window. If I don't have a window, I can't sleep. Oh, boo-hoo. Well, because I need to lean up against yeah. it. <laughs> so wide awake on the way there, we land. I'm uh, just going, check it out, we're landing. Yeah. And the landing was the worst part of it. It was the, it it was the smoothest was... landing I think I've ever had, and you freaked out. <laughs> it was no man. The place was going, check it out. Yeah, making noises. Yeah, the landing gear has to come out. Less. Bouncing around. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? And he's like, oh, I've been on landings where the plane actually bounces jumps. off the ground. Oh, yeah, it and jumps. it comes down. Eric, and I'm like, you've been on a plane where the, the, the wheels pop, like pop up a little bit, right? Dude, I, I have flown so much over the course of my life between two different jobs that I got stories, man. 
stories that you wouldn't dig. I had a, <laughs> a commuter. I had a commuter prop plane. Uh, you know, it's like it's a turboprop. They uh, blew a tire when we landed oh because apparently it locked up while we were taking off. You could hear it like squalling as we took off. We fly to wherever we land and it blows out. And I mean, it like got sideways. Oh, my gosh. I had two in one week, two aborted landings oh, fuck where that. they're coming in, the engine, they stall and then suddenly everything powers back up and they just almost go feels like they're going straight up two times. Oh my god. In one week. <laughs> that is the worst thing I've ever heard. Are you oh, yeah, kidding dude, me? It, I would have not made dude, that, it, dude. I would have you would have shit yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it it was a lot, man. Yeah, that that's awful. This now, one was but really I'm, really smooth and less Yeah, so the flight there was okay, but I like I said I had my issues. But on the way back, I was fine. Yeah, he was good. I really? It. I will. I will. That's good. I sat he, by the window with the window oh, open. Yeah, he became a veteran. Out, he became wow. Chilling. Kudos. Even to the point where the pilot's like, hey, we're going to be flying over the Rockies. It's going to be a little bit bumpy, but I'll get us through it. I didn't like that, by the way. And then Roger looks at me like, you heard what he said? And I'm like, I guess. <laughs> and I we guess. Get, I did not like that. And bullshit. as we get over the Rockies, I'm talking, it was like we were doing barrel rolls. No, <laughs> we weren't barrel rolls. <laughs> Man, we were bouncing you can up feel the wind. Hitting from the side and God the forbid like going, that you were on the plane where we got hit by lightning when I went to Thailand. <laughs> and then, oh, yeah. Brazil. We got hit by lightning on and, our wing. And it goes dark we and he dropped. through that yeah. and yeah. I'm looking. I had, Like I said, I'm just looking outside the like going, okay, I got to see what's going on out there, man. It's got to be someone did pulling you, the wings. Yeah. Did, did, did you the see the gremlin? Wings. Did you see the gremlin ripping up the wings? That was the old wing? Twilight Zone one where there's yeah. a Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, we're coming over Ontario and I was kind of bummed because I thought we'd actually fly over the airport so I could see... You know, the tracking lights mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But we ended up landing. I'm like, all right, cool. We're good. Yeah, thank God we ended up landing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was, it was ugly, but eh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. But you did great. I was very proud of you, Les. Good job, Les. Yeah, Kudos. Job. You did better than I thought yeah, you would. Yeah, the boy's a hero. But yeah. I ain't getting on those 16-hour flights. <laughs> yeah, those are the worst. That ain't happening, fellas. Those are the worst. <laughs> well, let's get into the uh, shenanigans real quick. We are... Members of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network with podcasts like Now This Podcasting, Rogue One, Blue Harvest, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, First Order Transmissions, Idiot's Ray, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Podcast 2187, The Cargo Hold, and Finger with Randy and Jason. Check out thesithless.net. We have a website. Check it out. We're going to add some photos of me and the Iron Sheik. I got to meet the Iron Sheik. That's my, cool. My long lost uncle. Nice. Yeah, Eric, you're going to love it. I'm going to send it to you. And it, it was the Iron Sheik and it was uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. They were in full character. <laughs> oh, let me, yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, he was in full character and he let me hold the belt. It was, it was really cool. It was, a good, it was a good time. It was a good time. Definitely check us out on the Sith List. And I'm going to put all those pictures up there uh, really soon. We're on Twitter, at the Sith List. That's where you can find me, Boo. At the Sith List, Boo. The man who just conquered an airplane. At Less Is More 78. And The Hair. At Eric Struthers. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook, just looking up The Sith List. We have an email, thesithlist at gmail.com. We have a hotline, 707-65-GEEK1. That's 707-654-3351. You can find our stuff on Public, And please leave some iTunes reviews. We truly appreciate it. All right. That was your shenanigans. And now let's get into a little box office. It was a record weekend at the box office for Sony's release of Venom, which delivered a massive $80 million, topping the previous October opening weekend record by more than $20 million. 
Additionally, Warner Brothers, A Star is Born, more than carried its own weight with a stellar debut of its own, topping $40 million for its opening weekend and helping this become the largest October weekend of all time. That is remarkable. For A Star is Born to make $40 million, mm-hmm. and it's not a superhero movie. Yeah. That is really cool. Or a uh, horror movie. Has anybody seen A Star is Born? No one? Oh, I did. No, you You're a liar and a fraud. I said I did not, but... Oh, okay, go ahead. But nothing. I, I just like to lie. It <laughs> makes me feel real good about myself. <laughs> I like to lie. Well, I, I definitely got to see Venom, and Les and I got to see Venom in New York City. Boo, did you see Venom? Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to review ben- Venom a little bit later on in the podcast, so we have a lot to say about that. But all this information uh, came from boxofficemojo.com. Venom made $80 million, $217 million worldwide. Stars Born made $42 million domestically, and Smallfoot came in third with $14 million domestically. So a big weekend for October, really big. Let's talk about something that's really big as well, and that would be the news that came out of Star Wars. Mr. Struthers, there's a lot Um, to talk about. There is a lot to talk about, man. So there... If you guys have been following Jason's escapades, and well, Raj was there for part of them over at MakingStarWars.net regarding The Mandalorian, they've released a list of who will direct the episodes. And there's some really interesting names on there. Number one, Dave Filoni. Yes. In the opening episode. That is that is pretty amazing. I didn't think they would ever give him a shot at a live action anything. And this is a big one when you give him the pilot. Yeah, because I, I mean, I really do think that he's a good choice. Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not saying he's not. I just didn't think they would do it. Yeah. And, and, and you know, maybe because people have been clamoring, oh, that Dave Filoni wrote a book film. Let, let him direct a feature film. This is a good starting point right Absolutely. here. Absolutely, yep. Not a feature film, but it. I mean, it should be a big deal, man. And he obviously loves the Star Wars universe and i think he'll he'll take care with it i'm sure it'll be great i'm sure it'll be great he's he's doing two of the episodes there's others uh, other crazy names too right so deborah chow here's one that surprised me uh bryce dallas howard yes. i did not know that she was a director yeah uh, i didn't either how do you say this dude's last name takiki watiti no, Ty- not him, not Taika. Oh, not Taika. Watiti. But that's that's a huge get right there. That is man. a huge get. The, huge. The final episode. That's pretty cool. No, wow. it's Rick. Uh, oh, Rick. Name? Rick Famuyiwa. Oh yeah, no, he's directed The Wood. He's directed episodes of The Shy. Very cool. So he's got a he's pretty got decent it. background. He he's did got the Carrie Washington as she played. I guess it was called Confirmation, the one where she played Anita Hill. Well, that's cool, man. Now, right. now, Jason. Ward also was it where I saw this? Even Maybe it was. Let's just call it it. <laughs> okay, let's just give it uh, to Jay. <laughs> the the word on the street the word on the street is is that uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, Taika Watiti will be playing some sort of role oh. in at least one of the episodes. I'm not sure if it's the ones that they're directing or not. Love but uh, yeah, how cool is that, man? That is amazing. I, I didn't know she directed, and I'm, I love her as an actress. I really like her. I think she's great. So adding her to the cast in itself is just a big, big come up. This is going to yeah, be that's very weird. interesting. 
Uh, now, and again, I know I've just been all making starwars.net. Why didn't we just go to the website instead of listening to Eric talk about it? That's what everybody's thinking right now. But Jason just put up a picture of an alien from the show. That sure That is really cool, man. So... Yeah, so yeah, he's, he's getting spoilers. all the he's getting all the spoilers and all the leaks. It's, it's great. If you if you want information about this live action series, that's exactly where to go, and that's why you're you're going to it, Eric, because he's the one that has all the info right now. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty handy that they're doing it right outside his window too. So I I gotta yeah. I gotta say I'm pretty jealous of that. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is something to be super excited about. I think it's going to be really neat, man. Uh, another big, big Star Wars item right now is that Star Wars Resistance debuted Ooh-wee. this past weekend, and it came out swinging with three episodes. One of them is a double, and it's I think it's off to a good start. Most of the feedback I've seen from it has been really pretty positive. I, I dug it. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it or not. I sure did. I actually got to see it. I just finished it about an hour ago. My kids really liked it. The it's pleasant to look at. I really like how the animation the, it pops. The colors really good. The ships look cool. There's aliens everywhere, which yeah. I think that's fantastic. It's really cool. And the, yeah, and it, they're not just eye candy. They're characters. It's it's really really pretty neat. Now, uh, Eric, do you know that first episode was that the double? Because I saw one that was 43 minutes long. Yes, that's the first okay. one. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It, yeah. it, it is made for children. That's fine because the animation is so beautiful that I could care less what it's what they're saying. Really, it like you said. I, the uh, first thing I told uh, Les and I told Boo, I said, "Man, the colors pop!" Just like you just said. They are. It, I don't know if it was because I watched it on my phone, and my phone has really good resolution, but it was beautiful. Yeah, it looks great, man. I've watched it on uh, uh, clips of it on my phone. I've watched it on my uh, uh, my Fire Pad, and I've watched it on my TV. It looks great in all of them. So it's not like one of the devices is falsely inflating the color balance, but it it really does look good. The production's great. the The stories are thought out well enough that it doesn't just seem like, well, we got to cram in twenty two minutes to get these kids to buy breakfast cereal or anything like right. that. And having so, having characters that we know, Oscar Isaac, his voice, mm-hmm. and BB-8, and seeing General Leia Organa was, was yeah. really cool. Oh, super cool. And then, you know, uh, Phasma showed up. Yeah, I, I haven't episode. seen Phasma just yet, so I can't wait for that. Yeah, I, there's a pretty Star cool Killer episode. Starkiller Base was cool, though. Oh, man, that looked great yeah. in animation. It really did. And they... We won't go into the storylines or anything like that, but th- there's an episode involving some pirates, and and we think not not like eye patch <laughs> and uh, our <laughs> peg leg or anything pirates, but w- one of them had um, an imperial stormtrooper armor. Oh, which I thought was pretty neat, man. And you know, and they didn't mention it, which made it even cooler. There's a dude with an Imperial Stormtrooper armor rig. That's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, I like the callbacks, cool. like the Wampa callback, and and some of the things and some of the droids, and I, I, it was really it's done really well. And this is exactly what I've been waiting for. Obviously, I want the content to be a little bit more adult, but I'm not complaining. The the what yeah. I really loved was the sound the sound effects and the music. 
I thought they were the sound effects and music was stellar. Both are top notch. They made some really interesting choices with the music too, like just a hint of recognizable theme here and there. But like the style of instrumentation and stuff, it's really well done. I would really like to pour back over the episodes and just listen to all the music cues. Yeah, exactly. I, that, it really stood out. Well, uh, yeah, I'm all, all. I'm happy. I know, Boo, you haven't seen it yet. I have not. Les, did you see it? Didn't have the opportunity. Okay. Yeah, you you probably like it, Les. It's very no. And from what I have style. seen, I would definitely like it. Uh, I think I want to wait because, <clears throat> excuse me. I know that three episodes are out now. If you binge those three, then I don't know what the schedule is for the releases. You know, I don't know that either. Uh, so I don't know if I want to be depraved. You know, and be sitting there going, uh... You mean de- deprived. Or deprived. Or deprived. Uh, thank you. I, I so think he is depraved. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid, Eric. Please so, help so me de- correct. So depraved. Depraved that, is a little bit different of a thing. A tad different, right? Deprived, <laughs> sorry. I don't want to be deprived. Hey, Les's brain cells are still in New York City. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's some pizza there, man. Just mm-hmm. a plain cheese pizza, and Jesus. Changed so good, wasn't it? Anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I think I want to wait till another episode pops up and then be able to go through well, two there, at a time. There's like four, right? It's three. It's three? Three. The first one's a double. Well, three, so. The first one's a double. So it's, is it four then total, or is it three because the first one's a double? Three. Oh, okay. Two episodes, two episodes then one standalone one. after that. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So gotcha, gotcha. I, I kind of want to wait for another one to stack up, and then that way I won't have to yeah. go through some withdrawals if that's the case. Okay, cool. I know we didn't get to talk to each other about the picture that was leaked out. And first of all, I want to say in a weird way, in a weird way, when that picture was leaked out, I thought us being there that day had something to do with that picture being leaked out because that we had heard nothing about this Mandalorian, right? All of a sudden we get there, we take a bunch of pictures, we leak out a bunch of pictures on the set. John Favreau starts releasing stuff very next day and the day after. Mm -hmm. It can't be a coincidence. So I think yeah, Jason, probably not. J- Jason had a lot to do with pushing that envelope and, and opening up that envelope. But what I wanted to say is how badass. I know every Star Wars podcast has probably already talked about this, but we were on our way on an airplane when it got leaked. It was so cool to see that man and see that helmet and see that rifle and that the gear he has and that pistol. It just looks so cool. Yeah, that helmet uh, is sick. It's sick, huh? That bro? like space western look mm-hmm. yeah. is always a cool way to go as far as you know having a a, a setting for a show so yeah it, it, bring it on dude. what i was thinking is can we get an opportunity to see sabine in this thing hmm she is mandalorian and that depends on the setting though right like yeah, the it timeline, does depend right? on the setting the but, timeline i mean well the timeline should be alive yeah in the timeline this would be we're not sure, based on the uh, see, the series finale of Rebels, that it's after the events of Return of the Jedi that she and Ahsoka take off to go look for Ezra. This show is taking place approximately four years after Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Yes. So, you know, somewhere in there for sure. But so it's a possibility, I suppose. Has anybody maybe yet, we can has anybody talked Ezra. about that yet? Has anybody talked about that yet? I mean, n- n- not any more than what we have just now. I okay. don't think. Okay, but uh, who knows if it will? But I, I was just thinking that on the plane. That wow, I wonder if this, that's a possibility at all. I guess we will find out. I guess we will find out. And things are being released more and more. And go to makingstarwars.net, just like Eric Struthers 
said and check out your um, Mandalorian news. Exactly. The, exactly. Is that all the Star Wars stuff we got? I think so, man. Well, we got a chance to... Um, it's called the Fireball, right? The ship, uh, the Resistance? Yes. I, I believe, yeah. We got a chance to see that thing. That was pretty big, actually. You could sit in there and take a picture with it, and they had BB, the real BB-8 rolling around, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. yeah I saw those pictures. You saw those pictures? Yeah, yeah it was okay. pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So it was cool to see that they're promoting the crap out of it. Now, let's get into some random schmeels. I, I was looking over the internet, and I saw that there was a list of upcoming Stephen King movies. I know we're getting near Halloween time. And I know Eric has read a bunch of Stephen King books, so has Les. I've read a couple. I don't know if Boo has, but I know Boo has actually seen a shit ton of Stephen King films. Yes. And shows. So I want to read this list of films because there's going to be a lot of reboots that I didn't even know they were rebooting. Like Pet Cemetery is in post-production already. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. And there was a creepy poster with a nasty looking cat. And it was pretty freaky. So Pet Cemetery is one of them. And there's a trailer for Pet Cemetery. Oh, there is? I haven't seen it. Yes. Oh, great. Okay. It looks creepy okay. as fuck. Yeah. Oh, it does? Yeah, don't want to see it. Oh, Vanta. You don't want to see it. Don't want to see it. <laughs> dude, it is pretty the creepy. whole premise is creepy. Oh, the whole creepy. premise is awful, dude. The, the kids, I know. When, I read the, yeah. when I read the book as a kid, Bad idea. I'm not shitting yet. I had to take the book. Because I'd, I'd read in bed and then I'd lay it on the floor. I had to n- turn it over on its face, oh even though I couldn't God. see it from my bed because I just knew. I knew that that creepy fucking cat was going to come out there and kill me. <laughs> Stevie King would love that story. I can tell you that. Yeah, he'd be like, thank you. <laughs> that comes out April 5th, 2019. So we got that coming out. It, Chapter 2, is actually filming. And that is supposed to be coming out September 6th, 2019. Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Okay. And this yes. is the sequel to The Shining. And this one is coming out January 24th, 2020. I can't believe we're even talking about the year 2020. <laughs> the movies are coming out. It's, it's coming soon. We're also getting The Stand, and that's in development. And that doesn't have a date yet, obviously. And then The Talisman, and that is announced as well. And that has no uh, date as of right now. And then Firestarter, which is in development. So these are movies. Some of these books are uh, have been done before, miniseries and actually films on screen in the movie theaters. But some of them I haven't heard, like uh, The Talisman, I haven't heard. I don't have no idea what that's about. And Firestarter, we're going to get that again. So uh, there's some Stephen King films coming out. I, I really, really wish Firestarter was more of a, a sequel. It's very possible. It's in development. I so. really wish that they would go the direction that she's grown and kind of like the Doctor Sleep. Yeah, and fully embraced her power. And you know what? Why not have a Stephen King universe Avengers? <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's like Doctor Sleep. <laughs> oh, I the guys see from saying. it. Charlie from Firestarter, and they go around kicking ass, dude. Interesting. They got superpowers. Mm-hmm. They're That's all badasses. Wow. Yeah, Stephen King. Can, can Avengers. we do something like that, Stephen King? I'm sure he could. Just put your squad together and like just go around and just taking all the supernatural shit down. They're going. They're just going after Cujo, Christine. Oh, how about if Cujo's driving Christine? He probably uh, could. Yeah. Cujo could be running with Christine. Oh, right next to that. Oh, oh. It, Pennywise could be driving Christine. That's don't do that. That's terrifying. <laughs> so in the book, kind of fucking behind the wheel. In car. the book, that's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. In the book. In the book, the Plymouth Pennywise Theory. Pennywise drives 
Glennon? picks up Henry Bowers and drives, and it's Belch Huggins driving the, the Plymouth Fury with Henry Bowers in the backseat to go kill the, the Yeah, but Pennywise isn't driving the Plymouth. Uh, Pennywise provides. Is that right? Yeah. Huh. Man, I didn't know that. Wow. Holy shit, Stephen King's already ahead of me. That's so creepy as fuck. I mean, it's just the fury. I don't want to say it's Christine, but you got to say, might as well, it's demonically charged. It is what it is. You're demonically charged right now. Hey, Eric, out of all these movies that we just talked about, which one is the one that you want to see the most? Man, probably Firestarter. And I do, though, wish it would be a sequel because the character itself is great. And if you've never seen the original Firestarter movie, it's it's definitely worth a watch, but the book is way better. Okay. So maybe even if it's not, maybe it's, it's <laughs> maybe this version of it would you know somehow take it up a notch. But Drew Barrymore was great in yes. the original, and she could be great in the sequel. Well, she, yeah, yeah I mean, perfect. Yeah, if it's a sequel, yeah, it, I would love to see that. That if would it was be a rad. Sequel. That would be rad. Boo, you're not a big horror guy. Obviously. No, no. And so out of this one, which one would you want? I mean, probably it too, right? Yeah, it too, or maybe maybe Firestarter. It was fantastic as a movie. It was scary, but it was you know not not the uh, you know generic just jump out scary. It's like had legitimate fear moments, so that was good. So, but yeah, so probably it too. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with it too, just because the cast is so godforsaken good. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, Bill Hader. James Ransone, Isaiah Mustafa, Jay Ryan, and Andy Bean. But Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, and Bill Hader, uh, those three, I, this is going to be good, man. And they're bringing back the kids for the flashbacks, mm-hmm. which is going to be super, just awesome. I can't wait. And that's September 6, 2019. So we talked a little horror and Stephen King. We're going to have the wonderful Rebecca O'Hanlon, and we're also going to have Jesse, and they're both going to come in and talk about their new podcast, You're Creepy. Their, their, po- their, 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 ads, their handle is, their handle is you, creepy. you Creepy. Yeah, we're going to talk about You're Creepy, and it's a, it is a creepy podcast. It's perfect for Halloween time, so we're going to have them on the Wednesday before Halloween. Comic book news, uh, Daredevil trailer looks really dope, especially Kingpin. Talk to me about the ambush. This isn't the first time you've used lethal force. If I were wearing a mask, the press would be calling me a hero. We surrender! Who's this guy, Les? I work for the federal Bullseye? government. Yep. FBI helped yeah, keep is. me on the straight and narrow. Oh, I right know now, who this is. I'm drowning in deep water. Dex. Do it, Dex. Society won't understand. PTSD. Again. Do it, Dex. Oh my gosh. Yes! Uh, Bullseye. Like yours. I love that Wilson Fisk goes back. He found someone to kill me. Oh, he's got the outfit on. Hello, Karen. I'm Daredevil. The music bad in this is really good. It is. What? Okay, wait. What? Bullseye takes over and becomes Daredevil? Impersonate. No, no, no. Impersonates he just him? does it to be an imposter uh-huh. and draw out Murdoch. Oh, okay. Film. Gotcha. Gotcha. He's ultimately, he's Bullseye. So. Okay. And Bullseye is a uh, former like FBI or a war veteran that has PTSD and just loses it? 
pretty much. In this version, yes. But in this version, but in Bullseye's just a crazy assassin. Yeah, who just doesn't who miss. Who doesn't miss. Ever. Okay. So he's dead. Kind of like Marvel's Deadshot. Deadshot. Dead yeah. Marvel's Deadshot. But he can use... Uh, Deadshot uses guns, whereas Bullseye can use any object. A and pencil. kill you with any object. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. He's John Wick. Oh, all right. All <laughs> yes. Right. With yes. a pencil. Okay. Well, the, the preview looked great. Wilson yes. Fisk looks badass. Kingpin's wearing his, his, the white, his suit. white suit. Oh, yeah. yeah. We and saw the coolest Kingpin in cosplay history. The dude must have been 6'1", oh. 380 pounds. And, and you know what? Did the you white see suit. the uh, Puerto oh. Rican guy dressed as Daredevil? Yes, yes. The, the Matt Murdock? Yeah. And they did a stare down and a photo op. Oh, shit. A random beautiful. photo op and they stared at each other. Like yeah. They just happened to walk on the floor and they ran into each other. And no way. Yeah, they stared at each other down. In New York, that's awesome. In New York, yeah, it was epic. That's fucking it was awesome. Legit. It was really cool. Uh, yeah. And I think this is, I think we're getting Mayor Fist. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. what, what happens, so like Lex Luthor becomes president of the United States mm-hmm. in some kind of reality in D.C. Right. Comics, and at some point, Wilson Fist becomes mayor of New York. Okay. So They probably take him over. Uh, yeah, I know, huh? Was it Bellasio or whatever his name is? Over, yeah, Bazio or whatever. But yeah, it ends up happening that he comes out and he's reformed and he puts on this, you know, this spitting image and polished image of things and becomes mayor of New York and then all hell breaks loose. I love Daredevil because it's the first Marvel series that we got and it was the first one where we watched and went, oh my God, this is what they can do. And it's still the best. And it's still, it's, in my opinion, it's still the best. Mm-hmm. Me, yeah, I agree. Boo. And this one looks awesome. Yep. All right. No, and so. in each season, they bring out an iconic Daredevil staple and Marvel staple. So we got the Punisher. Yeah. And now we get. Oh, the Punisher was pretty good too, Boo. Yeah, oh, but what no. I'm saying is, oh, we got absolutely. About, I forgot about that one. But it's we got just the Punisher under. in that second season, which yeah. he's arguably, you know, they introduced this and now they're using this to introduce Bullseye. Yeah. Who is a major, major piece, which means we're possibly going to get a very, very poignant moment in Daredevil uh, lore. Okay. Cool. I can't wait for this thing. October 19th, it said? Absolutely. Yes, this should be fun. This should be good. Eric, you haven't seen the first season of Daredevil, correct? Correct, sir. It's it's something that you probably uh, would really enjoy. It's done really well. First season's better than the second season, but the first season was really done well. Every episode felt like you're watching a, and a feature film. So you should check it out if you get a chance. Killer, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read also right before we came on that James Gunn is going to write and direct Suicide Squad 2. The rap, which broke the news, reports that James Gunn will have a new approach to the material, though it will still focus on a band of villains who are recruited by the government to carry out jobs that are too nasty for normal heroes in the DCU. But it's going to go into a different direction. And that wasn't that didn't take too long for James Gunn to find a uh, home. That's for sure. Key question. Because yes. um, I've heard that he is going to, what you just said, right, and direct. Yes. I've also heard that he's in talks. And I've also heard that it was just a rumor. Yeah. I think the rap confirmed it. As, as absolute fact. Allegedly. Ish. <laughs> allegedly. So uh, take that with a grain of salt. But gotcha. they're definitely in serious negotiations with them if it hasn't been done. Because all the trades also have it now. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I don't think he is getting too many offers from too many different places. So I would imagine that this would be the best bet for him. And I saw that 
that Batista said that if he does it, he wants to do it. And somebody already did a fan art of him as Bane, and it looked fucking awesome. Hmm. David Batista. And it's the Bane that we all know from the graphic novels. Uh, yes. Understood. With the I tubes just, and everything. I don't know why Batista is on, on his, his nuts. Kick. Yeah, like, it's not just him. Every single actress or actor that was in those, the movies so that he's portrayed to walk are supporting away. the shit out of him. The only one that was kind of on the fence was but, Zoe Zaldan. They wrote a huge letter together and everything. I don't know. I don't know what to think. Well, That's, if then we start thinking that way, we can have Batista either be Bane or Lobo. Yeah, or Lobo. Or Pratt can be Lobo. Well, he would have to Pratt's Wilson not going in. anywhere. Pratt's he would have contract, to big. Right? He's not going to DC. Okay. Batista's not, I guess. Well, Batista said he'd walk. He'd walk. He's I don't still think Pratt's too, walking. But he said he'd walk. He, Pratt's not walking. He can, for all I care. Yeah. Go for it. Who, Batista? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you... You you walk that mile. You walk alone. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. So that was that. We just want to get that out there. James Gunn is in either talks or he's signed by this. By the time you hear this, he might have already signed and it's been confirmed. Before we leave, I want to do a little review of Venom because four, three out of the four have seen this. And remember, when we talked about Venom and we had all those reviews early on, the reviews were pretty shitty. And the Rotten Tomato score was like, at a, I think it's at a 38 right now. It's really bad. Um, so we're going to spoil this a little bit. So if you do not want to be spoiled for Venom, please forward this just like less than five minutes, about five minutes. And then we're, you'll be getting into our New York Comic Con mini pod. So um, five, four, three, two, one. Spoil. Okay. My take real quick. Wasn't the best of films. Storyline was pretty predictable, a little cheesy here and there, took a little while to develop, but at the end of the day, I had fun watching it, and I laughed a lot, and I thought Tom Hardy was great in it, and the banter between Venom and Tom Hardy was phenomenal. And uh, other than that, I mean, it, it was it's what old comic book movies used to be. Like old school, go out there, have fun, eat your popcorn, laugh a little bit, and walk out. And then we had um, The Dark Knight, and we had Christopher Nolan's Batman series, where we were like, oh my gosh, comic book movies can actually be really good cinema. And that was a game changer that changed everything. And things from now is always compared to those. But before that, we had comic book movies that are like, oh wow, that was so cool, it was fun, let's go watch it. And that's what Venom felt like to me. And the last scene, and we're going to spoil this again, people, the very last scene, which is a credit scene, a cut scene, right? Post-credit scene. Post-credit scene, I'm sorry. That was super cool. Because seeing Woody Harrelson as Carnage made me feel like I was watching Woody Harrelson in Natural Born Killers. And I think... I think he can do it. Okay. Go ahead, Les. What do you think? And then boo your neck. Um, I will say it... Do it... you want to tell people what happened to you during the film? Because yeah, I usually I fell asleep. You, you fell asleep for how long, Les? Because usually... Well, he says an hour, but... I know. I, I would give him, I would give hour, him about 45 minutes. That means I didn't see the whole damn movie. Wow. So. And, and let me tell you, the only reason I'm calling him out on this... the movie wasn't that long. The only reason I'm calling out on this is because he always talks shit on me for falling asleep in films. But he was... Out for a good 45 minutes. 45 Can I minutes. say this in my defense? I didn't sleep through a red-eye flight, landed, went to Comic-Con, ended up going hanging with 
Energizer Bunny Michael Pappas <laughs> in a Raj. We we did. I didn't. I don't think I fell asleep until yeah, what? I'm I'm not talking shit on you. Nine in the morning. I'm on just that saying that Saturday? you fell asleep. I get why you fell asleep. So, I'm the last person to talk shit about somebody falling asleep. Where they did fall asleep? Were they the recliner seats? The leather? No, no, no. no. It was just we no, had no. the top seats in the whole thing. We, oh. we had the best view, to be honest. Yeah, we did. Uh, what I will say is this: what so, you saw. What do you think? Apparently, I missed 45 minutes of the movie, which I I don't know if I did or not, but. It was an hour fifty five minute movie, so I missed the whole movie pretty much. <laughs> uh, so I have no review. No, well, of what you saw, of what you saw. Unfortunately, you saw the beginning, a lot of the beginning, which was a lot of like, uh, of jibber jabber of him getting into becoming Venom. Yes. So, what did you think of of what you saw? Okay, so short. It was short and sweet, apparently, <laughs> which is an anti hero <laughs> film. Yeah. Or it. it anti-hero kind of things is they just go straight to the point they don't mess around you don't papa don't take no mess and papa don't preach what ends up happening is it it fits uh just like deadpool even though the running time's a little bit longer but it is what it is it just goes straight to it it gives you which gives you i like the they switched up a few things so they made him a failed reporter but they didn't make him a failed reporter in the sense that he Spider-Man faked his stories, yeah. and Parker exposed him. It was more like he maintained an integrity in a certain way. Uh, uh, it's interesting you said that because while you were sleeping, there was an Easter egg of they talked about that. They said something about that incident that he was kind of he was ran out of New York, ran out of New York, and that goes back ah, to Peter Parker okay, well exposing then, him. If that's what was said, then that yeah. alludes to Spider-Man. There's all kinds of Easter eggs in the film. We'll get some Spider-Man at some point. Anyways, Tom Hardy was great. He yeah. acted the shit out of his role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, he put on a powerhouse performance. And then I like that they brought in Riot, which is just specific to Venom. It's not really, he's the, the villain is not really, spe- you know, major, major for Marvel Universe, but is specific to Venom. They give you a villain in Riz Ahmed's character and yeah. in the actual symbiote. Mm-hmm. He was good in, too. They bring in the other symbiotes to show like, hey, this is something we're trying, you know, committing to as far as fan service goes. Uh, what I liked is then at the end they say, now we're going to give you guys what you really want. Because Venom fans are hardcore fans. Like, they love Venom. And, they, Todd seem, McFarlane, and they seem to like this film, by the way. Yes, Todd McFarlane took a creation that he didn't make or, or create and turned it into one of the most iconic comic book characters in Venom and spawning off of that literally was carnage. And so you're I need getting- to stop you right now. I need to stop you right now. I got a text message from Mike Pappas. Urgent text message. He said, you need to read this on the air. Tell Les on the podcast right now. I miss him. Oh, we live, bro. All right, 100, ahead, man. man, coast to coast. Sorry, bros I had now. to do it. He just sent me a message. I love that. Go ahead. Damn, man, I'm getting emotional. Man. Oh, God, for fuck's sake. Nah, I'm joking. <laughs> I love you, Paps. You're the man, dude. Uh, anyways, we're going to get carnage out of this, and I think that's what it should be. I think if Sony is smart and they say, look, we're going to milk this, they just run with it this way. They don't have to do too much. Don't do any more. You're good. Cool. Boo. Uh, first off, let me give uh, Sony kudos for not putting Spider-Man in the movie. 
I didn't think that they would be able to do that. They weren't and allowed to. I know that, but still. Well, you're saying make a good movie and not have Spider-Man? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because I, I agree with both of you gentlemen. It was a very good movie. I think it deserves much more than the 38%. I would give it, <laughs> yeah. I would give it into the 70s, maybe touching 80, maybe. Three. It, what is it? Yeah, it was a bit of a slow beginning, but it was necessary to state that this is different. This is something else. It's not the Venom story you're thinking of. Spider-Man's not directly involved. He's in a different place, all that. That's fine. What is it? The CGI? There was only a couple of seconds where I was like, eh, but for its entirety, like 98% of it, CGI was great. Venom was great. The whole dialogue between uh, Eddie Brock and Venom was good. I thought it was a bit too... They were all funny, but they weren't... They didn't hit me all the jokes. There were some of them that were just fucking perfect. They were just like, holy shit, that's great. Yeah. Some of the other ones, I was like, okay, that's funny, but I'm not laughing. Mm-hmm. Kind right. of thing. So, yeah, you're right. So it was, you know, none of them were bad. None of them were bad at all. They were just kind of ones that just, I guess, didn't hit me, which is fine. Everyone else, Riz Ahmed did a great job. Everyone else is kind of meh in the yeah, movie. I really don't give pretty, a shit. Right. But uh, I only had one issue, is how Venom changes his... I guess thinking or ideology for Eddie Brock. I, where, I agree. Where I, all it was, of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, nowhere. and it was ridiculous. Where he's like, yeah. "I like you now, Eddie, yeah. Eddie Brock." And I'm no like, explanation, what the f- really, other than you're a loser, I'm a loser. Yeah, I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I, I get it to make it because it was. We're coming to the point where the movie's ending. We're getting to the climax, to the crescendo, and you don't know why Venom is going to help Eddie Brock until he's like, "I like you now." I'm going to stay. Wait, what? 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 Exactly. For what? So I was like, fine, let's, let's move on. A a pretty epic ending. It was, it was fun. Overall, the movie is very good. Like you were saying, that's the first thing that I thought when I got out of it is if this had come out before everything else had come out, all the Iron Man's, the Captain America's, all this other Avenger stuff, and this had come out, this would be in the 70 percentile. Yeah. 80% maybe. Yeah. It would be, it would be highly touted. It'd be like, oh, this is very good. This is great, awesome. But now that we have something that is a upper echelon of of movie and cinema, like you were saying, and okay. just the way the Avengers were made, exactly. Yeah. Where it's just like, holy shit, this is it's it's legitimate filmmaking. It's yeah. not just comic book movies. No, this is a film. That's what has decreased this. Mm-hmm. Although they are fighting an uphill battle, I give them major, major kudos. Tom Hardy did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Kudos to Sony. I actually have a little bit of faith when they get Tom Holland, Spider-Man. I'm like, they could actually do something with that. Oh, yeah. I wish it was rated R, but you it know, should it, have been rated R. Not, not everything has to be and not everything can be. So I'm, I'm okay with that. But yeah, go see it. Absolutely go see it. Yeah. You get the Sith list seal of approval, which Very I much not so. think would happen. Very That's much for so. Sure. Hey there, Sith Listers. It's King Tom. I tell you, I'm really digging this new segment. Was it uh, Crunch Crunch's Comics Corner? And if you guys are taking recommendations, there's there's a book that I I really like. Uh, It's called X-Men Red. It's written by Tom Taylor. It started earlier. It's run earlier this year. And, you know, reading comics up until this book came out, I was never interested in Jean Grey. Uh, but then I started reading this book and, you know, they, they resurrected her after 15 or 16 years. And this book features her leading a team of X-Men and she comes back, looks at the world the way it is and wants to do something 
to cure the world of hate, not just, you know, human mutant hate, but just the hate that exists. And it's a really well-written book featuring Gene, an eclectic group of X-Men, and it deals with a lot of current social issues, you know, fascism, online trolling, um, just things that we face and we see. And it, yeah, it, it says this stuff is out there and, you know, we, we don't have, in our real world, we don't have superpowers or you know, hate powered robots in our brains or anything like that. But it, it, you know, it says this stuff is out there. It acknowledges it. And maybe we could work together to make the world a better place. So I like the book. I really dig it. It's turned my mind around on Jean Grey and it's given me something hopeful to look forward to every month. And I also want to say there's something else I'm looking forward to. Next year, Marvel's going to be publishing a series of one-shots based on characters from the prequel trilogy, original trilogy, and current trilogy. And Tom Taylor is writing a few of them, namely one on Snoke. And I'm not expecting it to be the hidden backstory, secret origins of Snoke. But knowing that a character who we all want to know more about is going to have a book written about him by someone like Tom Taylor, I think that's going to be something good. So I just also wanted to throw out that out there. I think that came out of Comic New York Comic Con last week. Wow. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you guys later. King Tom, thank you very, very much. I think Les is going to take this. What, what is a one-shot? Can you explain that to the novice? So one-shot is literally one issue. Oh, just one issue. Okay, it's that makes one sense. one issue. So you have what's called one-shots, minis, and then for a mini, it's like it could be three issues, five issues, seven issues. The current Darth Vader comic is a mini issue. Okay, so what's a money mini shot? series, my bad. So a money shot is... Okay. Keep, goes for it, along. baby. Move along. It goes for it. <laughs> but yeah, I know a one shot would be like... And, and sometimes they're tie-ins, too. So what'll okay. happen is, is if they're doing the uh, Force Awakens arc or, you know, Last Jedi arc, and then these one shots like Snoke, uh, maybe Mos Kanata, uh, help me out with some other characters possibly. Aldo. Holdo, yeah, yeah. Holdo, Poe Dameron, like you know those kinds of things. Oh, don't say Poe Dameron. Or maybe they may even do a, a ro- dare I say a Rose Tico one shot. No, you know Rose Tico deserves. A <laughs> I'm more just than saying, or even a mini, it'll tie mm-hmm. into and it'll elude and help you carry the story on. Okay. In most cases, what do you think about this uh, comic that he was talking about with Jean Grey with X Men Red? It's a, I think it's awesome. Uh, she finally gets her due. She gets resurrected. The cast is a pretty eclectic, like you said, an eclectic group. There, Namor's a part of it. Uh, there's also, I think it's Honey Badger, who is a younger, younger version of X-23. Uh, so there is, I mean, I'm always open to suggestions. Any of you guys out there, if you see other comics that I didn't highlight, those are the ones I pick, but totally open to suggestions. And we'd like to share any information with each other because it's just good for comics, everybody. So X-Men sure Red, uh, is pretty cool. Uh, I think there's something called X Men Black coming down the line, which is a team led by Magneto. Oh, cool! And I think I mentioned this a while back. Cool. Thank you, King Tom. This is a good segue. We're gonna play the interview we had with a powerhouse of a writer of graphic novels, Jim yes. Kruger. Unless the stuff that Jim Kruger has been involved in and has written, he's an Eisner Award winner, which is pretty much the Oscars of graphic novels and comic books. Yes. He is really big in the world of comics, and so much so that there was a massive line that was waiting to get his autograph 
And they kind of uh, stopped the autograph line for Les and I to go over the booth and they pulled him from the line and uh, we did an interview with him and Tom Bilyeu. That that was a little overwhelming. It was a little when, overwhelming. When you think about it, and, and I, had a, I ended up getting starstruck, I'll be honest, and getting caught up in the moment. How many people said, what the fuck is this? Yeah, probably all of them. And, and then their team started taking pictures and it, snapping Yeah, away it looked like so, we were legit. Yeah. That was <laughs> awesome. We looked like a legitimate. Yeah, so was, I imagine this was what it would look like if we had a TV contract. It would have had better on-air talent than <laughs> us, though. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, keep my back to the camera and blur out my face. Right. It would be fun. We're going to play that right now, and so you can enjoy that. And... After that, um, we'll come back and we'll finish it up completely, and then we can play our mini pod of our adventures in your Comic Con. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a special interview at New York Comic Con, and we have Tom Billu and Jim Kruger here. We are going to talk a little bit about Neon Future. We've talked about this amazing graphic novel. So, how did this all come about? With Sibioki and with you guys, with Impact Theory. Well, it starts yeah. here. It, uh, it all started, I had him on the show that I do, Impact Theory, the interview show, and we really hit it off, and I realized that in real life, Steve Aoki plans to be cryogenically frozen when he dies, right. and I thought, that is my kind of guy. So I, it gave me the idea for a story, what if you really could cheat death, and what if somebody with Steve Aoki's heart had that power, what would that look like? And then as we started brainstorming, Steve and I, it was what happens if you wake somebody up in the middle of a world that isn't exactly the best world ever. And so we had this whole concept. Then we brought Jim Kruger on, Eisner Award-winning writer. Eisner Award-winner, that's right. And this guy made sure that even in this grand world of sci-fi that we never lost the characters. Right. And so that's how we all came together. It's amazing. And then how was it working with Steve taking his concepts and then writing for him? Oh, it was great. You know, it was it was really just like, okay, there's this piece and this piece and this piece and then figuring out all the how the pieces fit together, you know, like writing a script is always like putting together a puzzle. Are you at full control or Steve say, you know, hey, here's what I want here, here's what I want there and then you just go like you said you take pieces and then just flesh them all the way out or do you say, hey, I want to try this also? You know, what? everything on this entire project is really collaborative and the thing that makes it work is the fact that everyone gets along like you know everyone's open to being challenged with this approach or that approach and so there have been like there hasn't been a single snag or a single anything it's just been like really working through ideas and saying okay does this work with this and we want to end this issue here how can we seed it so that that ending has been you know set up from the beginning and so it's just really been a collaborative, awesome experience. That's got to be really refreshing, right? Because you being in the industry, you know there's a lot of falling out and to bring the world together. We like EDM. We like Steve Aoki. He has two concept albums named Neon Future. And then to just have this being in pages now is a big deal. Les and I have actually worked at a nonprofit organization serving at-risk youth for the last wow. 19 years. So we love the, the message Impact Theory has. How has it been jumping into the graphic novel world, the fandom and coming to Comic-Cons and spreading the word of your message out to this world? It has been amazing. I mean, literally unbelievable. So one, we're obviously both huge fans of comics and have been collecting since we were kids. Jim is part of the very fabric of comic books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> coming together as a team with the deep experience that he has and with just the raw enthusiasm that Steve and I have for it 
Um, it's been incredible, but we wanted to honor the genre and bring in people that know what they're doing. The artists on this book are absolutely top-notch, veterans of the industry, and so we're, we're putting out a book that we think the fans will see how much we respect the art of comics, and we think we're telling an extraordinary story and hopefully plugging into this insanely amazing fandom. It actually came out yesterday? Yeah, it came out on Thursday. And the, the trailer on YouTube is unbelievable, and it looks just beautiful. Check out Neon Future. It's out. Check out the website. It's good. All the stuff's going to be in the show notes, and we'll definitely put it up on our website. And we really appreciate you guys sitting with us meeting with us. Man, thank you guys. It's an honor. Yeah, thanks. That was fun. That was the interview. Great guys. They were amazing to meet with. And thank you so much, by the way, to both of them to meet with us and to explain their amazing comic book, Neon Future. You should definitely check it out. All the stuff will be on our show notes. It'll be on our website. So go and check out Neon Futures trailer on YouTube and check out the graphic novel. It is really cool. And the idea behind it is just amazing. Impact Theory, great organization, great writing for this thing. Just it looks really cool. Have you, you got to take a look at the, uh, the graphic novel, right? Yeah, so I've read, the, I've read issue one. And they're going to send us monthly issues now from so here on So we'll be out. on the story this for cool. sure. And we're going to review them. So the that's pretty cool. is gorgeous, first of all. Art is the gorgeous. Art is gorgeous. The story is compelling. And it's cool to see musicians or just creatives being able to say, look, we're going to be diverse. Mm -hmm. This is something Steve Aoki has a passion for. And to get the team together and to have someone like Tom Bilyeu to be able to back it. Yeah. And Jim Kruger be able to write it. And then they have other titles, too. One which was titled Powerless. Powerless. Two twins. We'll go into that later. Yeah. Is, check them out. guys. Is this your life story? It is his life story. Yeah. No definitely, power. definitely check out check out Impact Theory. Go to impacttheory.com and check out all the stuff that they do. It's pretty amazing. We had the opportunity to interview Steve Aoki, but our flight was uh, got there an hour after our interview session was supposed to be. So unfortunately, we get to, we didn't get to interview Steve Aoki, but we got to interview the Brain Trust and the people behind the uh, Neon Future graphic novel. We're gonna head out now. We will catch you on episode one fifteen next week. But before that, here is our. Mini pod part one of our adventures in New York Comic Con. Thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. Eric Struthers, where can people find you before this thing starts? Uh, Eric Struthers on Twitter. Also, check me out on my other podcast, The Bad Motivators. That's right. And if you want to hear some great Star Wars stuff, guys, that's where you go. Sorry, I forgot to mention through the month of October, you can buy yes. the Rogue One Star Wars podcast for winners. EP, if you will, from my Bandcamp page, which is ericstrylers.bandcamp.com for just three bucks. And you will get a download code for my super dope instrumental classical slash hard rock EP that I did for free. 100% for free. Three dollars, man. That's all you got to do. Three dollars. Three dollars. I have Mike Pappas in me. And this is the best three dollars that you'll ever spend, guys. Mm -hmm. Trust me. That's Trust for me. true. And guys, we'll put the, that information on the show notes as well. So definitely click that on the show notes and you can buy that wonderful EP. Les, where can people find you on Twitter? On Twitter, at LesIsMore78. And Boo? At the Sith List, Boo. And guys, you can find me at the Sith List. By the way, guys, I know we have some emails and we have this really cool thing that Rusty Brown sent us. I won't say what it is, but we're going to do it very soon. Okay, we just haven't had time to all read it over and kind of digest it, but we are going to do it because we want to do it right. And it's probably going to be next week. 
and it's going to be a lot of fun. So Rusty, thank you for sending that. Don't think that we're ignoring it. It's literally on our table right now. Les had, has printed it out. He's rehearsing his lines. So we are all about it. And everybody else that sent emails, we will get to you next week. So I apologize about that. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy our crazy weekend at New York Comic Con. This is part one. Next week, we'll play part two. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this little mini pod adventure in podcasting that we uh, recorded. We went down to New York Comic Con 2018, met up with some amazing people, met some brand new amazing people, hung out with all kinds of people that loved fandom in their own special different way. And we took a recorder and we wanted to record from the minute we got into Mike Moneybag Pappas's car. Let me tell you, that was an adventure, which was really thrilling. Ask less. To the point where we got on the floor for the first time, met random people at bars. So we just wanted to record our everyday experience at Comic-Con New York. So please excuse the sound if it's a little bit too muffled at some points. We try to do the best we can. It's really loud in some of these places that we're recording. But we try to do our best with fixing it up in post-editing and and bringing it to you as clean as we possibly could. I'll be coming in when you hear a little noise and you'll know that noise. It's like the old school Star Wars storybooks where you turn, you put a cassette on or a little record on and you read the storybook along and it have, has a little noise for you to turn the page. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Anytime we finish a little segment, that noise will come on. You'll probably hear my voice and I'll try to explain to you how the day is going or what we're doing. So sit back and relax and... Let's begin now. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our first trip to New York as a Sith list couple, Les and I. And we just got picked up by Mike Moneybags Pappas. He was kind enough to pick us up. It's ILM in the Rogue One, kid. Oh. Industrial Light and Magic. Oh, shit. ILM. That's right, ILM is uh, heading down to uh, pick up Fernando, and we will be uh, saying hello to you throughout the weekend, so this is the initial hello, welcome, 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 so uh, talk to you soon. Hey, so part two of this crazy ass trip, we just picked up Fernando, who you've heard on the podcast. Fernando, say what's up. What's up, everyone? We are on our way to Javits Center. I got my ILM, bro. Oh yeah, you are from ILM. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's F I L M, so it's film. Film. Oh, now we got film. Okay, okay, there we go. There we go. With Fernando. It's very evident. Les and Mike. It's very evident that this is going to be a shit show of a weekend. We just got started, man. We just got started. We got some caffeine in us. The real Mike Papa showed up. Max Papa showed up. Catches a little bit of Brooklyn air up in my lungs. Les, what do you think about Brooklyn so far? Nobody really cares, Les. So let's, let's move on. House right now, man. How do like, you like New York? I like it, man. You haven't even been in, in to Midtown I yet. I have been to it yet, but I'm in it. He's in it. He's loving it. He's having a good time. We are excited to see everybody tonight. And uh, we got some interviews lined up tomorrow. Over and out. So obviously you heard us in the car and we just picked up Fernando and we are headed over to Comic-Con Javits Center, which actually took us about a good hour and a half to get 12 miles so that was kind of rough but 
praise to Mike Pappas, who used to be a delivery boy back in the day. He used to deliver tickets in his car, in his little GTI all over Manhattan, and he drove like a champ. So big props to Mike Pappas. So what you're going to hear is we meet up with Emily Lynn, who went to a couple panels. Mike has a crazy adventure coming up in the way he, uh, <laughs> he pretty much got a pop. He'll talk to you about that. This is uh, the next segment. We are here with Emily Lindo Lind from the Canto Byte Dispatch, and we are going to talk a little bit to Emily because we're waiting for Mike Pappas because he's been wheeling and dealing all goddamn day. And he's Funko popping it. Yeah, he's like Funko popping it, and he's like getting prices down, and he's, I don't know, he's being Mike Pappas, money bags, and we love him. Yeah, he almost got in a couple fights, but it's okay. Marvin Hagler. Yes, oh, Marvin Hagler, yes. Uh, Emily, how you doing? I'm doing good. Now, uh, you've been here since 10 a.m. Yes. New York Comic Con 2018. What has been your favorite thing so far? And what panels have you seen? And what have you done? And uh, give us a lowdown here. Um, I've mostly just been walking around. And then I went to the 25th anniversary Lewis and Clark panel. Oh, which with, was Dean Kane? Yeah, Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher. Nice. Dean Kane uh, really hates the DC movies, which is hilarious. Wow, that's, really? He, like, four different times during the panel, he was just making fun of the DC movies. Wow. What was he saying? Like, he's talking shit? He was just talking shit and talking about how much better Marvel is. Wow. How, like, DC doesn't have their shit together with their movies. Wow, okay. All right. So he's hating on DC a little bit, uh, like the majority of the people in the world. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. So what is Terry Hatcher up to these days? I mean, I don't know what she's up to, but she's looks amazing. She still looks is, amazing. And is super charismatic. I was a big fan of hers, yes. says that she's, in the past couple of years, really gotten into comic books. Oh, my God. Okay. Like, right. she especially, she mentioned Saga that she's really into and Paper Girl. So, wow. she's, like, actually really into comics. That's rad. It's, um, it'd be awesome to see her, like, on a CW show or something. Well, she'd be she was, per- on, was she on something? She was on, I think, Supergirl. She's exactly what I was thinking that she should be on. All right, it's fantastic. What are you looking forward to in the next three days of this coming? Um, I'm really, really hoping to get into the Hellboy panel tomorrow morning. Ooh, that's our boy Rashad will be in there. Yes. Rashad should hook us up. Rashad, why, why aren't you hooking us up here? Yeah, what is going on? Yeah. What's the point of being friends with somebody who works in like the movies if you can't get right. us into the panel? Right, and I know people call you I Awesome because your name is I Kassim, but I don't know. If you can't hook us up, Yeah. I, less, less I disappointed. <laughs> that was cheap. Now I'm disappointed. You're not awesome. <laughs> you know what? You are original. A- Emily, awesome. she's going to be listening to me do dad jokes all weekend, so I just want to throw that out there. I won't do one right now because she's not ready for it, but I think we're going to go get a couple of drinks right now. We're going to actually leave the Comic-Con, go get a couple of drinks, and I will do some dad jokes for you. Is that like a threat? That or? is a threat. That okay. is a threat, yeah. All right. But I definitely want you to come back, so maybe I won't do it for a while. All right. Wait till so, I have had a drink, That's least. right. We have a Pappas signing. Oh, Mike Pappas. Where is he? Okay, hold on, people. Mike Pappas is walking up with a box full of goodies. Oh, my Holy God. Holy God. Mike Pappas. Snuck, I snuck on the Christopher Sabat lottery line at the over 9,000 booth. You got I it, got a signed Majin Vegeta, and I got two other regular Majin Wait, Vegeta. what did you call me? I called you <laughs> sexual chocolate. <laughs> sexual chocolate, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, that, that, that was my nickname that, that, on our that. hockey team. Yeah, that's, was that's it? That's the green-eyed bandit. Hi, Mikey. How you doing? Open. Fix that. I like how Mike comes in and demands shit from people. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, over now, Mike got a beautiful autograph of Majin Vagina or Vegeta. Majin Vagina. Pop. A Raging Vagina. Okay. Raging vagina we, I love the Raging Vaginas. He's signed by Christopher Sabat. Okay. Symbiote. Christopher Symbiote. Okay. Uh, yeah, we had a little conversation about things we used to masturbate to when we were younger. Mine was a Sears and Robot catalog. Um, Victoria's Secret. Victoria's Secret. My bad. You know, your old weird point is Sears and Robot. 
Yeah, you know you're old when you're masturbating Susanna Hobbs from the Bengals video. <laughs> or Belinda Carlisle from the Go-Go's video from back in the day. And, be and behind Araj, there is an anime called High School Double Ds. Double Ds stand for Dragon Dick, right? Devil Dick. Devil Dick, saying. Devil Dick. Yes, we haven't drank yet, but this is the way it's going so far. So wait till we drink, and I'll bust this thing out. So over and out from Comic-Con New York 2018. So as you can tell, Mike had a crazy little experience of going in there and getting his Maja Vegeta or your vagina, whatever it was called. And the great voice that you heard was Emily Lynn from the Canto Bite Dispatch podcast. And we are just getting started on this little adventure of the day. And we're about to head over to Scallywags, which is an Irish pub with real Irish waitresses with Irish accents. And uh, we had a good time there. And I think we got some discussion in some Star Wars discussion in and, and enjoy. So we're here at Scallywags having some beers, having a good time. New York Comic Con 2018 has been pretty cool. We're hanging out with Les, Emily, Mike Pappas, and Fernando Alba. And Emily Lindo Lind. So we're having a good time. We're at a bar, Loud Ass Bar, the Yankee Games tonight. We're going to drink, have fun, and go back to Comic-Con. Are we live? Yeah, we're live. I'm talking about family drama right now. No one wants to hear that shit. Let's talk about Comic-Con. Okay, you go ahead. How, how was your first day? Tell everybody what you pulled at Comic-Con today. I always pull shit. Uh, <clears throat> I hope Paul's not listening. But uh, <laughs> um, the backstory. Uh, I'm a big Dragon Ball Z fan, Dragon Ball Super fan. I actually and it's been a lot of Dragon Ball everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's hot right now. The, the, the show, the Dragon Ball Super show for the past two, two and a half years is just on fire. Um, and it's, uh, there's a lot of fans from the 90s and the early 2000s when Dragon Ball Z ended that have just uh, kind of like us Star Wars fans where we kind of, that, that time lapse and then it comes back. And it just adds fuel to the fire is kind of what's going on right now. Right on. Um, so it's, it's great. It's, it's great. There's a new movie coming out in December in Japan, January here in the States that everyone's excited about. So it's like that. What is that called? It's called uh, Dragon Ball Super um, Broly, Broly the Movie. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to go into details on that. If you're a fan, you'll understand what it means. You know, Les and Fernando and Mike are really into this Dragon Ball. So me and Emily have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. Kind of like past us on that one. But, it's, but, it's but funny, I, I'm, I'm happy about how enthused you guys are about this movie and how Dragon Ball is back. Dragon Ball actually finish it, unlike how she gave up on Westworld. I gave up on Westworld because the second season is garbage. Wow. I didn't finish the second season of Westworld. Damn you. Yell at him. No, you can't. I fell, I fell asleep in the second season. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I like the second season. My brother described the second to last episode of Westworld to me, and I went, I'm never fucking watching that show again. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. But, uh, we, also, we, we also waited 45 minutes for Mike to get a Funko Pop. Well, no. This is, this we is sure the move. Did. This is the move I pulled. We 2018 sure Money Mike. Money Mike move at Comic-Con is... Uh, there's a, there's a company called Over 9000. They sell a lot of Funko items. They sell a lot of exclusive items. And the, over, the name of their company is Over 9000, which comes from a Dragon Ball, a famous, the famous Dragon Ball Z episode where Vegeta reads uh, someone's power level and says, oh, my God, it's Over 9000. Oh, I thought it was the amount of minutes you have to wait in line to get the fucking autograph. Yeah, it's almost that. My bad. Uh, and there was a lottery. I guess you had to uh, enter online for this lottery. To get a uh, Majin Vegeta Funko Pop figure signed by Christopher Sabat, who does the voiceover for the character on um, the Funimation dub of Dra Dragon Ball Super, Dragon Ball Z. Now, I didn't enter the the, the lottery, oh, no. but I found out that there's a Majin Vegeta Funko Pop exclusive over 9,000 signed by Christopher Sabat, and I decided to go to the booth 
and finagle my way, as I normally do, into the line and purchase the pop, which I did. And you pulled it off. I fucking pulled it off. And I ran away from you guys because you wouldn't have let me pull that I w- off. We would not have let you. No, you would have not because no. I could have gotten and, kicked and, out of Comic-Con. And you can thank Emily because we were, we were waiting for Emily anyway, so that was good. I timed it perfectly. You did. I, was, I money mastermind that shit. Money bags mastermind. Yeah, bro. I dropped 60 on that. It's worth like 250 And the assigned one is worth 500 No, it's, I thought it was. It's at, it's at 289 Oh, it's at $289.99. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yes. All right. Our beers are here. Uh, Mike got the biggest... Uh, oh, not that's not out yet. Oh, that's his. That's his biggest right there. It's like really tiny. I wanted the fucking thing. No, you're not getting the thing. That's magnified. Come on now. You should know better. She, she has the coolest Irish Irish accent, right? Yes. It's beautiful. It sounds. Oh no, you're Irish. Yeah, she's Irish. Okay. He was right. I didn't hear it fully. I didn't hear it fully. Can you say hello? Hello, how are you? Oh, that's awesome. That's just gold. Say welcome to the she just got. She brought, yeah, welcome say to welcome. the who? Welcome to the syphilis. Oh, I just, you just. Oh, my heart, my heart is melted. Thank you so much. Gee, are you going to scold that? I would like a like a, like a. Do you not put Belgian beer in glass in glass glass because you're Irish? It would be really weird to put a Belgian beer in a Guinness glass. But Guinness in them either. Because what about a Belgian golden glass glass? Can you just tell them to drink his fucking beer? Would you like to put your another one for you? So the dilemma here is Mike wanted the biggest glass for his beer, and they brought him like a little shot glass of beer. So that was it. So we're going to drink our beer, and then we're going to come back to you a little bit later. Over and out. So the evening is going just fantastic. We're still at the Irish pub, and in a great conversation about The Last Jedi and fandom and, and the state of Star Wars fandom pops up. And this is the great thing about meeting friends from different areas of this country, being able to sit down, have a couple beers, and talk Star Wars, and talk about serious stuff in Star Wars, talk about the ridiculous stuff in Star Wars, and just just have a good, great conversation. And I think we dived into a little bit of that uh, in this segment. So uh, enjoy. We were drinking and talking... Emily started talking about Last Jedi and how people are hating on Last Jedi, and and we're so we're just fucking jibber jabbering about Last Jedi. So I said, "Fuck, I'm gonna record this because uh, should be recorded." Yeah, Emily. So what were you saying earlier about Last Jedi? Go ahead. I I love the Last Jedi. I understand it's not everybody's like cup of tea, and I don't even mind the people who don't like the Last Jedi. What I mind is the people who refuse to acknowledge that other people genuinely like this movie. The whole, like, oh, you're just a Disney shill, or oh, you're pretending to like this movie. Like, like I do the Kids by Dispatch, and a rando on Twitter we've never interacted with tweeted the podcast being, why'd you name your podcast Canto by Dispatch? And I looked at their Twitter profile because I was going to answer the question as if it were a genuine question. It right. was one of those like hashtags. Not my make, Star Wars. Not my Star Wars. Make Star Wars great, great again. again. Like all their tweets were just adding Ryan Johnson, slagging him right. off. And I'm like, it's fine if you don't like something, but to not acknowledge that other people do is baffling to me. Yeah. 
or just to say you like it because the other half doesn't, right? Yeah, like that's what it seems like. It's, it's such a strange narcissistic viewpoint to think that everybody else is just lying about liking this Right, movie. right, right, right. And that they're, oh, it must be this, it's like this... The vast conspiracy. No, it's just a movie that I really Right, like. and, and you have every right not to like it. And you have every right to think it's bullshit and it's garbage. Yeah. It's the worst Star Wars movie. That, you have every right. But to say uh, to not like it just because they're changing things too much and just to be on the bandwagon of not liking it is completely bullshit. Well, yeah, and I understand if you're... If you are one of the people who dislikes it, who doesn't dislike it for racist or sexist reasons, right? I understand why it's frustrating right. that the the conversation has been co-opted by those people. But you also have to acknowledge that, yeah, the conversation has been co-opted by these people. So when Ryan Johnson or Chuck Wendig or whoever talks about these Star Wars fans who suck. Right. If you don't suck, if you don't at Ryan Johnson talking about how you hope he dies and that he ruins Star Wars and he's like a yeah. war criminal. Right. We're not talking about you. No. We're and not. that doesn't mean that this isn't a conversation that we need to have because it is. If you're somebody who reasonably just doesn't like a movie, great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's great. It happens all the time. But to ignore the fact that there are people who hate it for pretty vile reasons. Yeah, bullshit reasons. Who are assholes. Mm-hmm. Is, is shit. Like, you just have to acknowledge that that's, those people do exist. It does happen. Kelly Marie Tran got harassed off of social media because horrible people exist. Yep. And to to attack the people who are reacting against that rather than the people who are perpetuating that that harassment is super fucked up. Yes, of course. It is super fucked up. It's like the the most it's the shittiest thing about fandom. Yeah. Pretty much. In my opinion. This is off. I got you, Mike. I got one the other day that said you're just saying the movie was good because you're afraid to say that anything Star Wars sucks because you're such a fan. Which is which is not true. Which is not true. This is not true. I fucking called out Rebels episodes. I've called no, out I call Clone out Wars Rebel- episodes. Yeah, I, absolutely. I've called out some things in the prequels I don't like. I, I, I call it as I see it. I thought it was right. a good fucking right, movie. Right, right, right. Don't I tell me that I'm crazy because I like the movie. You, you don't do that to people. You like the movie. Oh, that's cool. You liked it. I don't. I didn't like it. We agree to disagree. Yeah. Cool. Not. No, dude. You're lying to me. No, yeah. I'm not lying to you. The, this is objectively a bad movie. Like, I don't think you understand what objectively means. Right. Because objectively, that's, that's, that's first of all, you can't talk about a movie objectively. But if you are, like, I think objectively, isn't that, opi- it's isn't a, that opinion based? It's, yeah, it's a well-made movie. You might not agree. From start to finish, it's a good movie. Yeah, like you said, it's a beautiful movie. It is. There's some shots in there that might be a bunch of my favorite shots that I've ever seen in a Star Wars film. The the crate scenes are just beautiful. Can I, I mean, just, they're beautiful. Can I su- semi segue and say that the Irish waitress we're with has friends who have been to Skellig Michael, and I'm really I'm, yes, yes. She's and, fucking great. You nice know, earrings. Where, by where, the way. Thank you, me or her? Uh, both. Oh, okay, appreciate it. Um, the waitress that we have is from Ireland, and it seems like every waitress here is from Ireland, which is crazy. Like, it's, it's but now, but I, Irish bar but, I but, but I feel it might be like 
an act, like Dick's Last Resort. Have you ever heard of Dick's Last Resort? No. You guys have Dick's Last Resort here? I have no idea. Okay, so Dick's Last Resort is a is a restaurant. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Oh, it's, it's the great. best. It's, it's great. The best. So it's Dick's really Last Resort great. is a restaurant bar in California. It started in San Diego, Gaslamp. It spread to like Las Vegas, and they treat you like shit. So when you walk in, they tell you to sit the fuck down. And then they throw the silverware on the table. Instead of giving you napkins, they throw a piece of toilet paper at you. And then if you try to talk shit, they come harder at you. It's pretty crazy. And they're all acting. No, where in New York somebody would get stabbed? Or sued. <laughs> or but sued. I think you I offended me, and now and now my thing is, is when you go to Dick's, you know you're no. going to that. Les, did you just say you go to Dick's a lot? And that's why when they say eat a bag of Dick's, that's what. You're going to go eat a bag of dicks. There's a, do that here. There's just a sh- Chicago like bar. I don't know if it's a chain. They probably have more than a location that is all about that. Like yes. They like they insult you and shit. Yeah, that's, it's pretty much exactly the same thing. Yeah, No, this is a genuine Irish bar because oh. we're in New York and actual Irish people live here. And I think people in New York just insult you anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's like it's like everyday life here. Yeah. yeah. But this, this waitress has been really good because she knows we're going to tip her really well. Oh, I think Emily really likes the waitress, by the way. This waitress is very cool. I think Emily really does like her. But that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, she did like your hair. And she does have cool hair. And she's super nice. Very cool. Super nice. Yeah. Very nice to me. Very nice to yes. me. Yes. I asked her a couple of questions. I asked her if she'd spend some time with me. She chuckled. Uh, not, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a taken man. I mean, spend time with me in meeting, like, in the bar, have a cocktail. Yeah. And not invited like, her to Skellig- the bar. And you invited her to Skellig Michael, by the way. She invited me, and then she said, we'll invite your wife. Yeah, we'll invite your wife. So her and I are going to Skellig Michael, but then we're going to invite my wife. That's a good idea. That's what she said. Yeah. yeah your wife would be pretty upset, I would I'm very upset. Yeah. It'd be a terrible thing. So we're a couple of Guinnesses in. We're a couple of beers in. What kind of beers are you having, by the way? Les and I are having Guinness, obviously, at Irish Pub. It's pretty, you know, clean. Cle- I'm, having, I'm having cider. Okay, so Emily's having cider. She's pounding him like it's water. Um, Mike Pappas, what do you have in here? What the fuck do you think I'm having? He's having Stella. And we're having the cliche Irish... Um, Guinness. They are barely into their second drinks. Wow. Well, because Mikey and I are almost done with ours. Yeah, because Emily, you're drinking cider, by the way. (laughs) As you know, that Guinness is a pretty hard drink. We're going to do cheers. It's like a meal. It's like a meal. It's like a meal. It is. I'm going to drink. It's just not my thing, you know? So we're having a great first day. Uh, I pulled some shenanigans. I got away with it. I think the boys, Les is just, I think... It's a New York City is a phenomenon to him. I'm driving through traffic. It's the worst, it's the worst day of my life. He's like, "This is great." I'm like, Les, this fucking yeah, Les sucks. Is a little overwhelmed of all the shenanigans going on. I am overwhelmed and impressed all at the same damn time. All right, guys, see you in a bit. So as you can tell, we had a blast at Scallywags, and we're about to leave Scallywags because I got an email from HBO. Stating that there is exclusive popsa being sold at their HBO store in Manhattan, where the HBO offices are. So we walk about a mile to get there because Mike needs to go badly to get some for his sister-in-law, I believe. And after we do get some exclusive pops, we end up at Bryant Park. And that Bryant Park is a beautiful park. We sit there, we drink a beer, we talk about making Star Wars, we talk about Jason Ward and some of the information he's got for the Mandalorian and we dive into the Mandalorian and how Lucasfilm is leaking out some information slowly but surely. So enjoy this next segment in Bryant Park. We're at Bryant Park. 
We're having a great time, and we're, we're sitting here talking about the evolution of making Star Wars and Jason and Steel and how Mike met Jason and how Lucasfilm should relax a little bit when it comes to spoilers or actually relax a little bit when it comes to like releasing some information. Yeah. Emily was talking about how she understands their point of not wanting spoilers, but release your shit, right? Well, yeah. It's one thing to not want people to know how your movie ends. It's a completely other thing to not release what your live action show is even about. Right, exactly. And then people are just like speculating all the time. Instead, focus that energy into... Oh, they're doing a show about Mandalore. That's fucking awesome. Let's talk about that. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to... Very rarely, I'm going to defend Lucasfilm for one second. Is that they did They did have to do the DEFCON 5 protocol, I think, after some of the information got out about the show being filmed somewhere in California, that it was about Mandalorians. But then not only did they say it was about Mandalorians, but the shot... Oh, the picture. That was fucking awesome. That's John Favreau. Yes. That's not J.J. Abrams, because J.J. Abrams would not do that shot. No, no, but John Favreau, because he knows that there's some leak out there, and he doesn't want anybody else to release it, so he wants to release a badass shot, okay. but and he did. But I- to, to spill your loins, which they did with that shot, I mean, we got the helmet, we know the gunslinger is like a rifle-backing, carbon, carbon rifle motherfucker. He's not some dual blaster wielding. He's a carbon rifle fucker. And that was really, really, really fucking cool. Here's my question. Why can't they tell me who's playing him? Uh, that's interesting because we know, we, we, well, we're 90% sure that Pedro's playing, right? Well, here's the deal. What I think is happening is they're working out the deals with Pedro Pascal. They wanted to get something out visually before Jason does. I, I and it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter yeah. who is in there right now. Right. So if they signed the deal with Pedro Pascal, they could say, "Oh, that that was Pedro Pascal." Right. Even though if it, it didn't. I think be. I think it's just some production assistant who got. Stuck oh yeah, in the suit. absolutely, absolutely. But I think Lucasfilm's learning from these experiences. I mean, now they're getting into television. Well, not really television, but what do you call it OTT yeah. streaming. Um, and uh, it, it's still it's still early for them. I mean, four years into a franchise of, of a franchise being released, it's not a lot of time. So I think that uh, they're becoming more comfortable with releasing information sooner. Then later, I mean, the covers have been off the last couple of films way less than The Force Awakens. I mean, Episode Nine's different. You've got Bad Robot all over that shit. Nobody hides shit better than Bad Robot in the exist. I the fucking CIA doesn't hide shit better than Bad Robot. Am I wrong about that? No, that's JJ's true. mystery box is legit. It's a fucking box, and they all go in the box, and it's like the Twilight Zone. They all shrink down into like little characters. Yeah, and I would say, I never want to know the ending of the film. I never want to know, like, plot spoilers. I would like to know what your next thing is about. Like, if you're going to do a Boa Fett movie, if you're going to do a fill-in-the-blank movie, I just want to know. Because I want to have a specific thing to be... Excited about. Yeah. Excited about. Yeah. You want to go to bed at night and stare at your ceiling and go, wow. An Obi-Wan movie between three and four. There's 20 possibilities in my head, and I want to dwell on that because it makes my life better to even yeah. know that that's existing. But to just know, oh, there's a movie is frustrating. You know what? All I have to say is that we're in New York City. We're talking about fucking Star Wars. We're drinking beers. Life is good. Life is good. Life is good. It's good. I made friends across the country because of Star Wars. I made a friend from... 
Queens to Brooklyn. We, Queensites don't like Brooklynites, to be honest with you. I got a, one of my, I consider a very good friend. We're all here having nice beers. It's Comic Con weekend. Right. I'm getting married in five weeks. I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm gonna do. It's great. Yeah, yeah. This is just a good time in life. So I'm gonna leave this and end this this little segment on. Life is good. It is, right, Emily? Yeah. Life is good. good. There could be way worse things to talk about than chilling and relaxing and talking about Star Wars. Over and out, and we will catch you uh, on the rebound. Okay, day two now. Day two of New York Comic Con is upon us, and the first thing we do is we meet up with Dominic Jones from the Star Wars Underworld. And if you haven't listened to Star Wars Underworld, you should, first of all. And Dominic is such a great guy. We talked, man, we talked politics for about three hours, I think, on Saturday night. We talked hockey. We had just a blast on Saturday night. But we met up with him on the floor on Saturday. And we met, very poignantly, at the Resistance fighter jet or whatever you call it. And a BB-8 was there. And we had a a little blast uh, sitting there and watching people take pictures and talking a little Resistance. And also... Don went to a couple panels, so enjoy Mr. Dominic Jones as we get crop dusted, and you don't know what I'm talking about in a second. So we're back here at New York City Comic Con 2018. Mike Pappas is hungover. I'm all right, though. How was I'm last ha- night? I'm hanging in there. Oh, it's fantastic. By, by the way, that was a great spot we went to. At the end of the night? Yeah. Fantastic really spot. Really good, like, MJ Disco Beats remix. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That place is real. That's, That's awesome. I've been there before. Called Champion. Brooklyn. You're a champ. Shout out. Thank you. I appreciate that. Champion. We're here with the one and only... Dom from Star Wars Underworld. What's up, buddy? Hey, guys. It's great to be here. Now, uh, Dom got to do some panels yesterday. We didn't get to do some panels because we were walking around pretty much bargaining all day for Mike Pappas' pops. <laughs> I was cutting deals, man. He was cutting deals. I, I came out on top yesterday. You did. You did. I actually did. Right. Were, you, were you going after those Clone Wars era Funko Pops? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Dragon Ball Pops guy, actually. Oh, okay. Not to kill the Star Wars yeah, vibe. Yeah, but yeah. He was all about Dragon Ball yesterday. This whole place has been Dragon Ball the entire day yesterday. But today it looks like it's a little bit more Star Wars. You were in front of the Star Wars Resistance ship. And BB-8 is friendly now? So I would say... Is there a General Hux? Oh, yeah, there is a General Hux. So what did you get to check out yesterday? Did you get any panels? Uh, yesterday, yeah. So I did the Our Star Wars Stories panel. I did the Star Wars um, Star Wars Publishing panel. And then I went and saw Matt Smith and David Tennant and Alex Kingston. Oh, very, very cool. And you, today you got something going on. Yeah, today is a celebration of uh, female Star Wars writers. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Claudia Gray going to be there? I don't know. I think uh, I know Delilah Dawson and uh, Amy Ratcliffe are there. Oh, cool! But and there's a few more. Claudia might be there, but if she wasn't at anything yesterday, so I, I suspect she's not here. I did hear they announced the book yesterday, right? Yeah. The Master and the Apprentice. Well, yeah, they announced that a while ago, but they showed the cover. Show the, the cover of the book. The yeah, that's time. right. They announced this other book called Alphabet Squadron. Oh shit! Uh, it's by Alexander Freed, who uh, who wrote wrote uh, one of the Battlefront novels. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. My nickname in uh, high school, my baseball team was Alphabet Soup because of my oh, last name. So okay. <laughs> I feel close to that thing. Close enough. Yeah. Someone just laid a giant. Someone, <laughs> if, we, giant if we got distracted, somebody just crop dusted us big time. We walked right you, through you, a beef you curtain. You actually dressed like Howard Stern's fart man. I swear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And not only that, I saw the actual layer of nastiness just yeah, go by us. It was just like a green cloud over mine and Les's head. Yeah, that's uh, right. So, uh, Dominic, tell us about what we're in front of right now. That, yeah, what do we got, Dominic? What, is, what, what do we got? What are we looking at? I feel like I'm on like a news report. Like, you know, I should oh, be yeah. like out in a hurricane or something. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm standing here. Look, you yeah. can fake it like that yeah. one guy. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Canadian 
Star Wars corresponding cousin. Oh, so yeah, it's fine. Yeah, okay. It yeah. is Canadian Thanksgiving, by the way, on Monday. I don't know oh, if you knew that. Happy family, happy family Day. Oh. Yes, happy family. He's, yeah, our, yeah. he's our Canadian cousin. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, to answer Mike's question, we're looking at the fireball from Star Wars Resistance. They got this great photo op here. It's beautiful. Um, you can get your picture taken. And they got BB-8, like the real BB-8. Uh, I don't know if they use it in the movies, but it's definitely the one they use at red carpets and stuff. It definitely is. It's yeah. beautiful, and he's moving around like a champ. Yeah. And we'll have pictures of this on the website and everything, but uh, it looks beautiful. What do you think about this Resistance? I am very excited, man. Yeah, I think it looks like fun. I, I'm really looking forward to checking it out tomorrow. I wish they had something more here, like a panel yeah. or a screening. But we, we were hoping that as well. Yeah. I just I just love, not only for Resistance, but in, in, in a lot of direction that anim- animation is going right now is the Japanese influence. I think anime is a light, broad word for it, but I'm just loving like the shadowing, the textures, the color that, that a lot of new animation is getting. And Resistance is, is uh, you know... It's just a perfect example of that. And you can even see it on this X-Wing and the colors they're using. Oh, it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, this is what I've been waiting for for a long, long time is this kind of animation. So yeah. very excited. And we're going to watch it tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Well, what time is your flight? What time is your flight? Uh, whatever time yours is. All right. <laughs> Actually, it's not seven. Hope, so we'll I, watch I think, it. I think we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. It's going to be great. All right, guys. Over, we are going to be heading out. We're going to be doing a little interview in a bit. And we'll get back to you on the flip side. So that was a great Dominic Jones getting ready to go do an interview. And the interview that we did, we interviewed Jim Kruger and Tom Bilyeu from the Neon Future graphic novel, which Steve Aoki is a huge part of. It's his idea and his brainstorm. And the great Eisner Award winning writer, Jim Kruger, who's, who's done all kinds of unbelievable uh, graphic novels, him and Tom Bilyeu, who is the co-founder of Impact Theory, were gracious enough to meet up with us in an interview. We're not going to have the interview on this episode, but we're going to have it on our next episode of The Sith List, which is going to be episode 114. And we sat down with them and we talked to them for about five minutes. So after we do the interview, Les and I, we all head over to Scallywags again to the Irish pub, because why not? And there we meet Mr. Johnny Grosso. We actually met Johnny way before that. We walked the floor with Johnny for a while. He was trying to get me a Millennium Falcon and it didn't work out. But we headed afterwards, after the walking around, we headed over to Scallywags again. And uh, let's say hi to Johnny. All right, we're back at Scallywags. We did this yesterday, and we're going to do it again. But this time we have the one and only from Rogue One, a Star Wars podcast for winners, a man that is drinking a Stella, and then I walk the floor, Mr. Jonathan Grosso. What's up, everybody? How are you? Johnny just came by today, and we walked the floor. We're trying to get a Millennium Falcon, but it didn't work out for me. But he's actually looking it up right now as we speak. He's trying to get me one intact, but maybe one in parts. How's your experience been so far to this crazy-ass place? Uh, pretty good, uh, to be honest with you. I, I'm really not here for Comic-Con. I'm here to hang out with uh, all my friends. Yeah, and that's what we're doing today. We're hanging out with friends. We're at that same bar. Uh, you know what's great about this pub, Johnny, that all the waitresses are actually Irish. Oh yeah, don't you know? I figure I go in an Irish pub and then I have an Irish an Irish waitress, which is awesome. Someone like myself a damn beer and a Stella it is actually. Jonathan Grasso is drinking a Stella. And I'm fucking sitting here with Emily Lind. Emily Lind from Cantor Bite. Probably one of the best young cock pass I've ever seen. Or actually ever heard. Quite often I'm on my couch. I'm on my couch and I'm listening to the podcast. And a friend who loves chilies. Canto bite canto bite dispatch. Emily, what do you think about this? I'm at a loss for words. Yeah, we, we thought this would happen today. 
So we're going to drink some more, and um, later I'm going to talk to Rashad Kasim because I Kasim was at working the Hellboy panel, and he's a little tired. He's a little distraught. So I'm going to wait till he drinks his Stella. So we'll be back in two and two like Chuck Woolery from The Love Connection. Yeah, if you're Irish, I apologize. I, hopefully that wasn't very offensive. Johnny and I thought we could do a great Irish accent at an Irish bar drinking Stella, which is not Irish, first of all. Again, apologies to the wonderful people of Ireland for that butchery. Now we're going to dive into the wonderful world of Hellboy, because Hellboy had a panel at New York Comic Con, and we're lucky enough to have a friend, Rashad Kassam, who is involved in the studio that's actually making the film. And he can't say much about it because he has an NDA he, has to, he had to sign, so he can't get too crazy. But we're going to ask him about the panel, the exclusive trailer, and what the reaction was from the people watching and people that are in social media. So enjoy some Hellboy news. I just, I'd rather not be so we're back again because we're going to talk to Rashad about Hellboy. So what was, it, what was the uh, experience like? What was the panel like? Wow. How do you think the crowd reacted to the trailer? Yeah, give me your take on the entire thing. Under threat of NDA. Under threat of NDA, yeah, so, yeah, don't reveal everything. I think the reaction was really positive. It seemed like a lot of the diehard fans appear to be really happy. I, the whole experience is really cool. We brought you know David Harbour, Sasha Lane, Daniel Day Kim to the panel. Uh, it was really positive. The trailer was really well received. Everybody dug it. Um, and then they had a blast. Like David was really having a great time. He was super charming. Really, you can tell everybody really cares about the universe and the property, and they want to do right by the fans, but also not disregard what's come before with Ron Perlman, but also add something different to things. I think overall it was super fun. Like everybody's really happy. Everybody's really excited, and this was like a really cool launching point for us. Uh, as far as marketing. And I noticed that there was a buzz all over Twitter and all over the internet about it, which is huge. It's, it's two things. It's one, people really reacting positively to it. And then the other half of it is people bringing pitchforks out, demanding the trailer be released online. Yeah, I, I want to see that. We were, I asked you, what's going on with the trailer? Is it out? And you're like, no, it's only exclusively for Comic-Con. So I definitely want to see it. Yeah, well, I think we'll probably see a trailer before the end of the year released publicly um, but the idea was you know it's we wanted to do something special for the diehard fans make it feel like it was an exclusive thing for them and just give them something really special and you know the idea is just to elevate kind of the, the film and get the, it back out there yeah exactly Okay, cool. All right, man. Sweet potato. How's, by the way, how's the nachos? Nachos are pretty basic. It's chips with cheese melted, but the sweet potato fries are pretty awesome. So I'm going to see if I can, like, wink at Emily and try and get one. Yeah, yeah I already... You, don't you want to <laughs> That was a good one, Emily. Uh, they, they do look pretty basic, but the sweet potatoes do look good, Emily. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, Rashad, thank you very much, by the way. You're very welcome. Yeah. So over and out, we're going to drink some more. We're going to eat some more. We're going to... Skeletta waggle some more and we'll get back to you later. So hopefully you enjoyed that little Hellboy information from Rashad. And uh, Rashad's such a great guy. You should listen to his podcast, Will Communication. He also helps out Steele on the Hyper Chats. Wonderful man, wonderful human being. Can't get nicer than Mr. Rashad Kassam. 
Well, I usually say Kasim just to piss him off, but it's actually Kasam. Now, we're going to end this first little mini pod. We're about 30 minutes in. So we're going to end this, and then we're going to put out the next one next week in the middle of the week sometime, somehow. The next week, we're going to have pretty much Mike Pappas takes over as our New York correspondent, and uh, he interviews a bunch of random people at the at bars and some great people that we met, some amazing people that have a lot to do with fandom. And uh, we also talked to Robbo from the Robbo Report and from Hardcore Gaming 101. And we talk a little video games with him. So next week's episode is going to be great as well as we conclude and end our days over there at Comic-Con New York 2018. Thank you for listening to the special mini pod episode. Like my friend Casey Kasem once said, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars.